Give me five minutes. I'm like, five minutes. Oh, she finally wants some snacky dackies. Oh, yeah. Oh, so let me play the song that I want to do the video to, and you guys can give me your input on if you think what I want to do is going to work. So. Listen up, people. Y'all know I be having technical difficulties, but I'm working it out. And I be putting my mouth on this damn microphone like a damn fool. I need to get some damn Lysol. All right, here it goes. And I wish this was on Spotify so I could get paid for it. But it's not. Listen, anyway, bitches. Oh, you're not some bitches, but you are. Hello, Poppin'. It's Mary Poppin'.
Tell me what you think to go with the no room video, people. Oh, pussy talk. Motherfucking wish. because we have to be courteous of the next show and they're really cool guys it's like some old school hip-hop show one day we're gonna collab don't forget it's 11 11 make a wish you know i usually make a wish for 11 11 during the day when i see 11 11 a.m or 11 11 p.m however it's 11 11 all day so all your wishes will come true only if you believe like peter pan if you ever seen hook and you like Tinkerbell dies if you don't believe in her. So you got to clap. And you got to believe in Tinkerbell. So believe in your dreams, believe in your wishes, believe in your hopes, believe in your aspirations, and just keep praying on them. If you guys seen the sun today, it was a pinkish, reddish color. That's how you know today was a magical day. Also, we also had Smoky Oakland going on. So you have to be careful of that. I don't know if that's why the sun was beautiful and shining like it was, or if it was just some natural shit, but it's 11-11, so some magical shit's going on. So put your affirmations into the universe. Since I was a teenager, when 1111 came i took a time out so it took 60 seconds if that's what i had and i made my wishes 
ain't gonna say they all came true but it seems like everything that i ever wished for either it worked out or i didn't get it because if i got it i wasn't gonna be appreciative of it so it means i haven't yet to get it and i will get it the other day i was in class with a student and 11 11 came and this is how serious it was i was looking at 11 11 and i was like bro i need to make a wish right motherfucking now and we're reading right motherfucking now what do i do i said it's 11 11 everybody make a wish it was just me and him i was like everybody everybody got a wish make it right now and he was like i said you too and he was like my wish is to graduate high school i said whoop there it is you're gonna graduate high school my friend just because you wished it on 11 11 so now today's 11 11 so don't forget to put your affirmations everything that you want write it down if you too scared to speak it out loud light your candles just it's it's like 11 11 is like a holiday for spiritual people it's like as you're growing and and learning what what spirituality is to you because once you realize that religion is religion and it's not has nothing to do with spirituality then you start trying to figure out what spirituality is to you. So days like this where 11-11 comes out and it's like a day, a number that you always seen and you always feel some connection to it. I've always felt a connection to it since I was a teenager and I never really understood it 100%. So now that I get to actually... My, uh, this is the first time, this is the first year of me actually trying to involve myself in holidays that actually mean something or days that mean something like Dia de los Muertos. I was able to build an altar. Um, and today I'm able to light my candle. When I get home, I light my candle. I'm trying to get some things in order when I get home. But just really take in yourself today. Like, what, who are you? Who do you want to be? And don't forget that even though you're making wishes and you're putting this stuff into the universe, the universe only works if you work. So you put these things in the universe and you tell them the universe what it is that you need and the universe is susceptible today. So she's listening, he's listening, however you feel about the universe, they're listening extra, extra hard today. The the portable portal, all the spiritual people are saying the portal is open. If you don't believe, then that's on you. If you want to pray to God, whoever you want to pray to, Jesus, whoever it is that helps you connect the spirituality, pray to them. And once you open up that door and you ask for all the things that you want and you need, as long as you work towards your goals the doors of opportunity will open up easily that's the whole point of asking right now so that the things that you want and need will come to you with no issue as long as you're working towards those as long as you put in the effort if you're not putting in the effort and you're just wishing upon a star ain't shit gonna happen because you have to actually show the universe that you're gonna work sometimes the universe gives things to people And that's just on the relationship that they have, the connection that they have, whatever happened in the past life, whatever agreement, however that works, that's that shit. But sometimes the universe makes you work for what you're supposed to get. You've already had that opportunity for you to actually get what you're supposed to get from the universe and you blew it. You were too greedy. Whatever it is that you did, you fucked it up. So now, and that's what I believe about myself, that whatever happened in the past life, I was either evil, whatever it is. Because I already have those tendencies where I was just like, ooh, if I had this, I would pop, pop, pop. So I'm in a predicament right now where I have, I have to learn and I have to come from the bottom and understand the people that are at the bottom so that I don't ever make whatever mistake I made ever again. So I'm working towards all the things that I want in the life I'm working towards those because the universe is like you gonna have to work this time bitch if you gonna sit on your ass you gonna be hungry 
if you get up and do all the things, all the opportunities, all the shit that I'm giving you. Because every time I need a job, bitch, I find one. Oh, yeah. It's easy. Never it's so, never. It seems like there's people who be like, I can never find a job. And it's like, why? Yeah, I will walk home, like... And she just falls in your fucking lap. You be like, damn, I just... That was... Okay, well... So the uh, the universe gives it to people. Some people get opportunities, they get gifts, and things shit just happens to them because whatever sacrifice they gave in the past life. But sometimes you have to actually work. So if you out there hungry and struggling, if you're not doing what you're scared of doing, then the universe is like, if you're not gonna do what you're scared of doing, I'm not gonna help you. As long as you acting and pushing forward and saying doing what you say you want to do being who you say you want to be then it's just gonna come into fruition so keep dreaming big keep wishing big but keep working towards your goals do not give up keep working towards it today's 11 11 it's a spiritual day so do the rituals you feel that are personal for you do them do that shit it's a special day write down the ones in your dreams all the things that you need down create the magic spell it out spell out your desires that's what they say they say magic is in writing because you're spelling and they say you put a spell on people that's magic so spell some shit out write the shit down uh get a real pencil or your favorite pen the one that's ink i don't fucking know i'm just a spiritual witch off instagram i'm not i haven't got i haven't got a blessing yet from like an actual priest or spiritual person that's like and i'm Really? Is it down the street, like down this street, or what street is it on? God, I can't. It's like off the of mission, I think. Or maybe it's on 20th or. Because I feel like I've seen a Botanica, but it was closed when I seen yeah. it, so. It's like a little shack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It says Ocean. Um, I didn't see. I didn't see what it said on top yeah. of it. Um, but I need to go there. Mm-hmm. I, I want to go. It's just what I'm waiting for is the move. Once I move and I'm able to have my own space and I'm able to just like put up my altar that I want to put up and I'm comfortable, then I'll be able to get the crystals that I feel is I'm supposed to have. I want to get my candles, even though I feel like that's like they be like charging $12 for candles. That's a dollar at the other store. So I'm like, what's so special about these candles like let me know but i do want to go see like a spiritual person and have them like read my energy and like because i really was doing a lot of purple hair and that was like the crown energy so i'm like okay there it must be a reason why all of a sudden i'm just like i love purple but for me to just keep i can't if my hair is not purple i'm like what the fuck i need to do something oh it's not purple enough what the fuck so I'm going to go to a botanica as soon as I move into my new house. Me and, and my comadre and my goddaughter are going to move into our new house. And then we're going to have like nice, beautiful. It's going to just be a beautiful feel. It's going to have a spiritual, loving, clean feel. And I'm going to get my comadre a hairnet. <laughs> <laughs> that's all and then we're that's it and that's all so i'm gonna turn um some music on as we close things down shout out to rachel thank you so for so much for coming you gonna have to come since especially since you're only eight minutes away i'm here every sunday and usually we're like four o'clock but today i was just vibing i was just like 
I'm not even chilling. I just got up. And when I left, I was like, oh, Bart's coming in 30 minutes. I can just take my time. And it's all my edges or nothing. It was like, this is God. And we got here just in the nick of time. I did not start the recording in the appropriate time. So shout out to Pam again. Because she makes things work like oil. That's why they call the oil spray Pam. That's why my mama's name is Pam. Because she makes things operate. <laughs> so shout out to Pam. Because she got the backup thing going. And it's going to get all of the show. I'm still learning, Pam. So And she listens to this. So shout out to Pam. I tell her all the time. I, always, well, I don't tell her all the time. But the one time she shouted me out, I was like, I hope you listen. Because I shout you all the time. So I always shout Pam out because she's so oily and slick. <laughs> <laughs> And she fucking makes things work if it wasn't for Pam. One of these days, I'm going to come to the Sunday meeting that starts at like 12. But it's just the thought of like, I'm broke. And I got to meet her at BART. It's like, I can't get on BART twice. And I'm not about to sit out here in San Francisco with the funky monkey mans out there in the PB streets. I'd rather be at home. <laughs> With uh, who knows what. But it's 7.53. Where are these guys? Like, are they waiting outside? They probably wait outside. You see them? Somebody Is somebody here? Hey! Okay. We're, cut, we're shutting down. <laughs> he's, he's all slick. It's almost like Pam. So, uh, <laughs> we're going to play some music, people, until we close out officially. My mic is too high again. I'm always in the red, but I'm a fucking devil. That's what they say on Instagram and Facebook. They say you can't. They say if you got to be a strong person to fuck with Gemini's and Libras because we're devils. I'm like, we'll call us Lucius. Get it right, bitch. But, yeah, I guess we'll play a, a little music. Oh, here we go again with this bullshit. <laughs> it's been real, y'all. Mary Poppins out.
anybody want some, cause he don't want half, nigga want the whole damn thing. Oh. He said, gotta have it. Yeah, yeah, the nigga gotta have it. Yeah, he don't want it. The nigga, he don't need it. The nigga, he don't want it. The nigga, he come over just eat the pussy. How far is it away, Maine? From Two hours to Portland, which is where Connor is, and then for some of the real fun shows, it's three, four hours. And the thing is that the saddest part about that is the shows in bumfuck Maine are way better and more fun to do than most of the shows in Boston. Like, that's why we'll make those trips. Are there, yeah, are they, do they, you, they get audience? You guys get audience? It's because there's yeah, nothing because else there's to nothing do. Else yeah, because there's nothing the else thing, to do. It's the thing to do in town that night, so they really yeah, appreciate everybody, it. Yeah, everybody, like, that's like the big event for the, for the, for the month is like, oh, the comedians are coming up from Boston. Like, what's wow. that? Yeah, they don't know you're not famous. They have yeah. no idea. No, like, no. Well, they just go, here's a guy from a place you've heard of, and everyone's yeah. like, amazing. <laughs> and these people are, yeah, it's like, I, I, did, a, I uh, did a show in Buckfield, I mean, <laughs> once, and some... Buckfield some, sounds made up. Yeah, it's outside of some rural town, I think it's outside of Lewiston, and some guy some guy was like, I've been drinking since 2 o'clock, getting, like, getting like pre-gaming for this comedy <laughs> show. And then they set off fireworks right after the show, in the parking lot, really? right after the show. I did a show where they were throwing glow sticks into trees during my set. Oh, man. And during the headliner that? set. That was actually in Bumfuck, Pennsylvania, but it's the same exact vibe. There was, like, war vets who were like, we used to do this in the military to mark our place for the people coming out. I don't know. They're like, these, like, glow stick flares, you'd fling them into trees. That was going on during the headliner set, and these guys were like, yeah, we do this all the time. And they, they're missing limbs from fireworks. Like, it's <laughs> you did, uh, you did some shows, like, in some, like, random coal, like, mining towns and like, Pennsylvania. You Coal Country, USA. Another that's, that's uh, Boston comedian, Justin P. Drew, I feel Yeah, like. I got my start in Backwoods, Pennsylvania, and that is uh, a lot of fun if you love backwards people. It can, yeah, they, can be fun, they can be fun crowds sometimes. Yeah, but you know what? For, for comedians and, and people that never leave Boston or, you know, whatever the respective city is, it's like, hey, man. Portland. That, yeah, that's it's good to get a look outside the bubble. Yeah. You exactly. have to. Right. You, you got to, like, realize what. Comedian. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, and, and you discover things where, like, dude, Portland, Maine is, like, my favorite place to do comedy, man. Portland, I love Boston, but... Yeah. Boston... Oh, here we go. I'm getting a seat. I was leaning over. I can barely bend at the waist. It wasn't a good idea. Scratch! Scratch! Yeah. Mute! Mute! 
ticket, ticket, meal ticket, ticket, comma, uh, still in my liver, real niggas in my condom, uh, feel, hit me back, feel this one where I'm out of back, feel, bring me back, feel this one out in California, the flow is good, the hoe is good, the show is good, you know it's good, cool as me out front, then can cool, still can fuck, you know it's love, clean as tight, be no head and shoulders, hoe, you know it's good, shout out to my kid folk, just got on that Coca-Cola, Watch my profile in my go-kart, this my getaway as fuck In my hood, we call it book, fuck by what you think of me All my hoes be nines and dimes, all she want is chicken grease All you know is what your mammy taught you about the surface Get your meal ticket, ticket, meal ticket, ticket, comma, uh Still in my liver, real niggas in my condom, uh Feel, hit me back, feel this from where I'm out of back joke workshop there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it Daryl are you serious I can get people to listen to my jokes and they'll even say nice things dude before they tell you how to get improvements no way what is this dang nabbit thing called it's joke workshop joke workshop yep every monday 6 to 8 p.m on the mutant radius so you're saying i could tell my jokes every monday from 6 to 8 that's what i'm saying it's the joke workshop mondays 6 to 8 p.m's at the mutant radius yahoo <laughs> Radio listener, it's that time of year again. March 1st through 5th, it's time for the 4th Annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. Over 40 comics, 25 shows, 5 days, all here at Mutiny Radio, 2781 21st Street at Florida Street. 25 shows, 5 days, amazing comics from all over the United States here in San Francisco to entertain you with 25 differently themed shows hosted by local San Francisco comedians bringing you comedians from all over the United States here. Everything will be live, live streaming and podcast post. Get your tickets, $10 a show, 25 shows, a million laughs. It's the fourth annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival brought to you by Benders, Counteroffer and Subliminal SF. 
Is this about that VR house you keep bugging me for? What if it is? I told you, I can't afford the Bitcoin. Goodbye, Jack. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Asiento, take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryant. Meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento honestly is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders and board games all over the walls, trivia on Mondays, taco Tuesdays, first Wednesday live jazz, live DJs Thursday, parties. The food is darn good. Special happy hour prices all night long with your Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival ticket March 1st through 5th. Check out the schedule at www.asientosf.com. Come take a seat. I had a date there and it did not go well. But it wasn't the fault of the place. They're very nice. Asiento. For a burger, Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Everybody should listen to Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. Subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com 
Yeah, you're fearless. I know it. Thanks for listening to Women's Magazine here on MutinyRadio.fm. I'm Global Val. That was some music from Pamela Parker. You can check out what she's up to at PamelaParkerRocks.com. But we're here today. Today is Friday, March 1st. It's actually the first day of Women's History Month. So uh, what better way to kick off than have uh, have someone, uh, the women's voice, uh, tell her stories um, so my, my guest today is Bernice Yee. Am I saying that right? Bernice? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. It's like a yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, Bernice is in town. She is one of the visiting comedians, um, who applied to be part of the mutiny radio comedy festival, which is starting today. So we are kicking it off on, on women's magazine really, because women should always come first. Woo. I agree. <laughs> so Bernice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you're visiting from Seattle, right? Mm-hmm. The Seattle area? Is that mm-hmm. where you 
Yes, yes. I live in Seattle now. Uh, I have been living there for 12 years. Yeah. But you're originally from China. I am. So I am made in China. <laughs> made in China. <laughs> So you kind of talk about how you, you know, kind of escaped and now you're, uh, what, I want to hear a little bit of your story of, uh, you know, how, how'd you, how'd you decide I need to, I need to get out of China and, and go to the United States. Uh huh. Cause, um, so I say escape is not like I was a criminal. So. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Quotes, yeah, quote unquote escape. It's more of a joke, right? Yeah, yeah. But I was definitely a rebel. Um, I think, um, living in China, like I got into not trouble but in a way that just like everybody is in your face trying to tell you what to what to do um and uh i think once i got exposure um to america i have always seen oh i want to be there i want to go there so a lot of time people ask me why do you come here oh my god you came here by yourself your parents your family are all in america um at the time when I came here, I I just like this is a dream. I did not miss my family. Um, good, my family didn't understand English, so they would never know this. I said that, <laughs> but I think it's in a way that I just want to be at a place to be who I am, to say what I want to say. Um, yeah, that's kind of what drove me to come here. That's really cool. Um, that and it is. It takes a lot of bravery to just say see ya like I'm gonna go try this and try to make a new life for myself like it's it's really takes a lot and um you're you you also write and contribute to this uh, kind of online magazine group which we'll talk about a little more later called mm -hmm. the syndrome and so I read your recent article about you know like basically having to be really sneaky with your boyfriends even in even in college right yeah even in college <laughs> so, so has the, uh, being uh, deceptive, uh, how, how's that helped in your comedy? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, just to kind of set a context of the deceptive or what sneaking means. So even in college, like it's okay that you have a boyfriend, but you don't really let people see any public display affection, right? So like kissing, uh-uh, no, you don't. Like, and then kind of is an unspoken rule that you don't have sex. For some reason, I don't know, nobody says you cannot, but then like if you do, it's a big gossip. Uh, like topic and so um and we don't have any privacy so in the dorm room okay so in our studio right now it's bigger than a dorm room where six of us lived oh my gosh <laughs> we live in bunk beds and we're like a whole bunch of adults right um and then like so that's the small space and if and then they lock the dorm room every night at 9 p.m. and they shut the lights off that's like prison wow yeah yeah because you're shut in and you're shut out yeah right and so it was the most prestige like university in in china it's not like a like kind of like a prison university it's actually one of the best uh, universities um so at that time if you don't go back by 9 p.m where are you mm -hmm. and gossip stars and just a lot of social pressure um so the sneaky has to you have to find ways uh, you have to plan ahead. You may have to make a hotel reservation, but you cannot make under, like if I make a hotel reservation, it's too um, suspicious. Mm. <laughs> so you have to find an, an excuse. You have to set expectations with your roommates saying, that, oh, my parents are in town. Or like, you have to work hard. If I kind of, like, oh, I have to work at the lab all night. I couldn't come back, but you must have a deadline that you set 
let everybody know already. You can't just all of a sudden have a deadline. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> it takes a lot of planning to... To plan a lie. Yeah. <laughs> so, so is that like comedy? It takes um, <laughs> In a way, I think it's more about when I create a situation. Mm. Um, like maybe there's exaggeration. Maybe it's fictional. But I have to make it believable. Mm-hmm. I have to kind of like, okay, this actually fits into my personality, fits into my, um, you know, like something I would do it's not out of character oh interesting (laughs) subtle and smart (laughs) yeah but then like you know like it's not true so um and you want to make people wonder yeah that sounds about right (laughs) (laughs) so so when how did you decide that you wanted to be a comedian and do stand-up like and and also like how did you develop your sense of humor like have you always like just had the sense of humor and been funny or uh, how did that kind of develop for you funny that you asked that because um i invited one girlfriend that i have been friends with like 10 years and then like she came to my show and she said oh my god bernice you know five years ago you told me I'm a very serious person. I am not funny. <laughs> um, I, so in a way, it's like it's not. I never. Th- I I never thought about become a comedian. Yeah. Um, but I watch so much like Netflix. Well, actually, back off a little bit. I started watching Netflix specials when I wash my face at nighttime. Um, but it takes so long to wash my face that I watch so many Netflix comedy specials, <laughs> and then I realized that's how I think too because I realized. Com- Comedians, they have they have a different perspective. They have a different point of view. And for me, I'm an outsider. You know, whether when I was in China or when I here, I always feel like I have a different perspective because of my experience. So I know in the shower, I'm always thinking about all these funny, wacky thoughts <laughs> from my experience. Um, but I just didn't think about. I can be one because English is not my first language. Um, to even be funny in the second language, I just felt like that's so hard. Um, but not until I saw Ellie Wong's first Baby Cobra special. And all of a sudden, I said, oh my God, the, the thing she thinks is funny, that's things I think about. And then all of a sudden, you do see somebody's more like you. You know, it's not a bunch of, like, you know, white guys talking about dick jokes. <laughs> right, because there's a lot of that, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> so to me, it's all of a sudden, I want to be like that. I actually want, I have a voice. I want to be heard. Um, so um, I just, last year, I made a New Year's resolution that, you know what, I'm just do, going to um, do one open mic by the end of the year. Um, and then I signed up for a comedy class, uh, did a graduation show. I love it and keep on doing open mic and people asked me to be on their shows and wow people want to hear about my story and my my jokes and my sense of humor yeah so you've only done comedy like actively done comedy for about a year now yeah right on (laughs) and here you are in san francisco you applied to be part of the comedy festival pam benjamin you know is like fuck yeah let's have bernice yay she's great (laughs) um so that that's like another like amazing success story right thank you yeah and i think about it just incredible i'm so grateful um, for the opportunity and also in a way that also i keep telling myself um 15 years ago when i came i don't i didn't speak english i didn't i didn't know how to order a sandwich from subway wow (laughs) yeah that's amazing too like so 
I, I, I teach English as a second language. That's, that's my day job, you know, <laughs> here on the mutiny radio, you know, this is, this is my, my, my fun, my passion, you know, to talk to people and be inspired and, and hear people's voices and stories. But, you know, so I teach English, so I know how hard it is. To, I mean, English itself is a really hard language and mm-hmm. there's so many little things, little nuances and expressions. So how did you learn English? <laughs> um, so I guess there's, um, it's funny because um, when I came, I we learned little English, um, like in school, in high school. And what they taught us is British English. But of course, it's taught by a Chinese teacher. So basically, is British pronunciation with Chinese accent. <laughs> what does that sound like? Uh, um, <laughs> looking forward to meet you I, I cannot really do it quite right but you know like you, you've evolved past that yeah and then there's like I would say tomato or how do you do um, some basic phrases um, and then the funny thing is in the so oh when I first came here, I went to Purdue for um, graduate school to study computer science. Okay. Um, so in the school, there are inter- other international students. I remember I went to this like international student like dance party, and there's this English guy. And you know, when I say tomato, and it's oh my god, where did you come from? And <laughs> so I think you know, I kind of I instantly clicked, and I you know I um so we actually started dating. And uh, so I think having somebody who speak English um, that clicked with you and then like we speak more English that definitely helped um, but also the funny thing is because I had a roommate she was Chinese we were from the same hometown oh, but wow. because our um, you know like our schedules are different um, so she always complained to the other Chinese um, students about I disturb her sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so m- my boyfriend at the time did not like that, right? So one time um, I, we have the English as a second language t- training for teaching assistant. So we're teaching assistant. Oh right, yeah. Cause you're a, you're in you're in a graduate pr- program. Yeah, exactly. Oh, wow. So then okay. one of the assignment is like, um, you know, come up with a phrase a phrase that sounds. Dif- like the meaning is different than the um, original how the words read mm-hmm. and then so she asked me and my boyfriend um, they, and then the, the boyfriend gives a um, blowjob <laughs> it's so mean but she didn't know I didn't know so I actually didn't know and then so she went to the class and she gave the phrase blowjob and then <laughs> everybody just had the face palm and she was so embarrassed and she was pissed right so that started the war with me and the rest of the Chinese students oh no they disowned me oh no they blamed you <laughs> they blamed me so so I kind of I was being isolated from the rest of the Chinese student mm-hmm. but in a way that kind of pushed me all right I'm going to make friends with international students with my American friends they, they were really really nice to me um, so that's kind of but in the meantime like as I ask question I'm just like um, you know at this point I came here I'm just going to be shameless and ask questions um, so I asked anything that I don't understand and then my friends got a little impatient oh urban dictionary but it's incredible. Urban Dictionary is like the, I don't know, that's kind of where I learned most of my English. <laughs> um. That's awesome. You know, it's funny because, you know, like 
like students that I have now, they're yeah. like, I really want to improve my English. And like other teachers will say, you know, date somebody, you know, <laughs> like, go meet up with people. I always tell them that they should, um, <laughs> I always tell them a couple things. I'm like, you should go to a place where people are speaking English and just pretend like you're doing something else and just listen to their conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I, I tell them, I was like, go and ask somebody a question that you already know the answer to. Because then if you, you just practice asking the question and the answer is not important Oh, because then you can hear like somebody tell you like, Oh, go down that way. And you know, go straight ahead or go down this street, you know, like a little directions things. Like everybody has a map now. Everybody's using Google maps or Mm -hmm. whatever, but you know, I'm like, just go ask a question, but you already know the answer. That's so smart. I wish I knew that tip back then (laughs) (laughs) because I would be in conversation with my friend and, um, um, sometimes I just really got lost and it's a, it's a hard, I just, I want to go home, but I just like, okay, stay with it. And a lot of time I actually really did not know what they were talking about but even picking up something like I it's helpful um it took a long time <laughs> so uh, so you did you finish Purdue or did you change schools how did you decide to to stay and how did you end up in Seattle mm, um I was in a PhD program so oh, wow. um I did not finish that so I was a I am a PhD dropout but I um I once I remember, so in the middle, um, you can get a master's degree in between. And uh, I was applying for internship for the summer for Microsoft. And at the interview, my interviewer actually said, you know, you should also check that box for full time because it's the interview is actually easier. The reason his rationale was, um, you know, for intern, you only have three months. So we want to make sure the interview you can you can really deliver and then um, for three months period of time. But for time, we look more for potential. Mm-hmm. Um, so I checked that box. Um, they flew me to, you know, Seattle. I had they actually even did like an interview boot camp to teach you how to do interview. But the position I applied for was the program management. Um, and then they definitely want your English to be better. Um, so I actually ended up didn't get a job. But from my background, they referred me to a different group, which is Xbox, and they actually flew me back again. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. And then I um and I got that job. So um then I gotta face the decision and it's a full time position, wow. right? So do I just quit at this point and go to Seattle or do I continue to do PhD? Um and then the time I just feel like I I wanna get out of Indiana. Um I I can <laughs> Microsoft seems to be a, a good place to start my work and so I um, yeah I quit PhD I got my master's degree and I moved to Seattle wow so Indiana and Seattle so those are the two places that you've actually lived in the US or yeah, yeah? Mm-hmm. so um, I I'm, do you prefer Seattle Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've never, I've actually never been to Seattle, but I imagine it to be a pretty cool place. I've definitely never been to Indiana. I'm from California. So like when we think about other States, we're like, they're over there, Yeah, you know, yeah. like it, seriously, even though I like, you know, kind of educated and stuff, but, uh, it's always like well, Indiana. It's a, I, I think I could find it on a map. Maybe, um, sorry, Indiana, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you've been to San Francisco before. This is not your first rodeo in San Francisco. Oh, no, a lot. I've been here a lot san francisco is one of my favorite cities um and uh, i love it so much that i almost almost moved here 
but uh, well actually just to say how serious i was i got a job that's why my cell phone is a 650 simultaneo eric code yeah Yeah. (laughs) um you know i actually moved out of my um my place i got all packed up ready i got a job offer they gave me a relocation fee and uh so i started looking for apartment but it was so hard to look for a place in San Francisco. Before I find a place, the company went bankrupt. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I- <laughs> Great timing, huh? <laughs> yeah, you know, and also because the job I was doing, um, that required me to travel a lot. So I wasn't able to just like spend two weeks in San Francisco, look for apartment. I was never really here. Mm-hmm. And I learned the hard way that if you go to Craigslist, you say, hey, I'm interested in your apartment, nobody replies. Right? They don't mm. give a. <laughs> can I swear on the. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I think they do this open house thing with like 20 people lined up with applications, and I wasn't able to do that. So um, it, I just never found an apartment. Um, and then there's other reasons, like um, for a Chinese uh, citizen. Um, if you want to go to any other country, you need a tourist visa. And uh, if I live in Seattle, we don't have consulate. So um, the nearest place is San Francisco. So I come to San Francisco a lot of times is because I need to apply for a tourist visa. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, also I dance Argentine tango. And um, um, this is uh, San Francisco is one of the city like the best place to dance Argentina there's a lot of great dancers here and there are a lot of more leaders um, in any other city in the U.S. I, I hope this is almost right um, there are way more followers than leaders and San Francisco is the only place I have more leaders wow so where, where do you do Argentine tango here like um, some of your favorite spots I haven't been back here uh, for a while but I know we went I went to um, Berkeley they have this all-nighter thing you dance all night until 6 a.m. Um, we do San Francisco Tango Marathon um, in November oh, every wow. November there's a Tango Marathon it's like dance until you drop uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think he's actually might be close to the mission you might not be far um, but my area is a little bit like um like my memory is a little bit uh, rough right now so that's okay because we just came back into town last night Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i actually i think i know someone who does the goes to the berkeley tango oh um she's like a substitute teacher at our school but she's probably in her 70s but she has more energy than like anybody else that I work with we're always like what's your secret and she's like I go dancing three nights a week yeah (laughs) (laughs) but you're actually we're here at mutiny radio we're here in the mission district of San Francisco and so you're going to be performing tonight as part of the mutiny radio comedy festival at the Mm -hmm. all ladies show tonight at 10 p.m. so excited but then you're going to be like a guest DJ here on Monday at noon doing some Argentine tango right yes um so I have um three lovely ladies who also love dancing Argentango. They're here in San Francisco, so they're going to be my special guests. Um, so, you know, we're going to talk about what is really Argentine tango, debunk some very um, popular uh, misconceptions about Argentine tango. We're going to share some of our personal stories about uh, some of our struggles and, and funny and embarrassing moments. Um, and then, you know, for example, there's something specific about San Francisco. In the tango community, we call it Men Francisco. 
<laughs> Man Francisco? <laughs> kind of related to like why there are so many leaders. Um, you know, of course, we now that women can lead, the choir tango is very popular. So it's all, all gender, all inclusive. But there's just a lot of more men in general in this area. And we also call it babe area. So instead of bay area. Because, <laughs> like, you know, like all the... All the um, dancers here like we're all babes you know we because there's so many guys lined up want to dance with (laughs) (laughs) nice nice everyone's dance card is full right yeah (laughs) that's awesome um so let's take a little musical break Mm -hmm. and then when we come back i want to talk to you about um your experiences in this past year doing comedy being a female comedian and then some of your work with the the syndrome Mm -hmm. which sounds really cool so everyone you're listening to women's magazine here on mutinyradio.fm this is a special part of the fourth annual mutiny radio comedy festival that's happening march 1st that's today through March 5th. So there's 50 comics, 26 shows, five days. Shows are 10 bucks a piece. To go on our, our website, mutinyradio.fm, you can find the, co- the uh, festival page and see all the different amazing uh, topics of the different shows, different themes um, that you can get in on and have a good time with. So I'm going to play a little music from this uh, a local artist. Her name's Renee Asteria, and this is called illegal Better pick up 
You are listening to Women's Magazine here on MutinyRadio.fm. We are streaming live around the planet from the Mission District of San Francisco, right here in the corner of 21st and Florida. We are kicking off the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival running today, March 1st through March 5th, um, with Bernicier, who is in town visiting from the Seattle, Washington area, um, and is going to be part of tonight's uh, big showcase at 10 p.m., the All Ladies Comedy uh, uh, lineup um, and also a couple different shows uh, throughout the festival which we can talk about you know we'll run through them towards the end and make sure people know when they could come in and, and catch you live uh, in the act mm-hmm. um, but I want to talk to you this is women's magazine so we want to talk about what it's like being a female comedian um, wow yeah um, it's uh, definitely very very intimidating because um, I remember when I first showed up to my very first open mic um, before um, the venue opened people line up and people show up and it's like everybody I mean in in Seattle, we're already very white, so everyone is a white dude. <laughs> and then, so I feel like this is even worse than my, you know, computer science um, graduate school. You know, ten years ago, you know, it, I was maybe one of the girls of the forty students, but at least I know computer science. But you know, for comedy, I am new. Nobody knows me, um, and then you know, like, but everybody else know each other. So I feel definitely just being judged immediately, and then nobody. 
nobody came to really say hi and introduce myself. And then when I reach out to say hi, it's just this very awkward interaction. You just feel like, okay, I should go now. <laughs> well, I am thinking that they, they 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 may just be naturally awkward a little bit, and they're probably like, who's that pretty lady? You know, like I don't know how to talk to her. Is she gonna be funnier than me? Oh my god, my ego. Um, so, but you did it. You jumped up and and did comedy stand up for the first time and um you actually sent me i think you sent me the video of that and you were funny like people <laughs> responded you were like successful in your first go oh thank you thank you it definitely takes a lot of work the, the video you saw it's that's um you know um november so that's probably nine months into the time i've definitely had a time when, when i had to open my just like, oh i just want to find a place to hide um so it, it takes a lot of work and i also have to say in my very first few open mic i remember one time i go to this place called um, comedy underground i showed up i have no idea how that mic works and there's a bunch of dudes line up but one lady um her name is uh, chelsea toll if she ever listened to this that's when we first met and she's like oh i just moved here ladies got to watch out for each other and she said take this she gave me two dollars because the at the club if you dropping two dollars a donation you have a higher chance to get on the list oh wow so okay. like it, it, that's so helpful to have somebody to give a newbie a tip to like and it's like somebody should tell no we, we got each other and i feel like that really meant a lot to me um, and the same day, the open mic, I went up. Actually, I guess I was actually funny that day, even though that's my like first open mic. And then another lady, uh, her name is Aisha, and she reached out to me and said, hey, you're funny. You should come out to this open mic I am producing. Uh, it's called Comedy Nest. Um, it is a female-focused uh, uh, comedy open mic. You should come. So, you know, like I feel like there's people really helped me and embraced and gave me that courage to uh, keep going, even though I was very intimidated that's excellent and that's up in seattle right yeah yeah how, how cool so you're also working uh, now now you've kind of even like taken this further um with this group that you're working with called the syndrome mm -hmm. so tell us about the syndrome how did you f connect with them and what are some of the different things that that this group does sure i mean guess how they found me ah uh, they found you at an open mic Ah, they were scouting. <laughs> so, um, I actually, our uh, one of our editor, um, um, Betsy Hunt, and she uh, went to. She also took a comedy class from one of the comedy um, club that's doing open mic. So I was there at open mic. They sh they were in the audience. I did not know. Um, I come back down and she just sneak a, a card and said, "Hey, I work at this magazine. Talk to me." She disappeared. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I emailed her back and I follow up, and then they were like, "Oh, we really like your." Story. Stuff. Um, what if you know get on a call? We see if you want to be a writer on our Central Magazine, and uh, that's how we get connected to each other. And then when they told me the story of the Central Magazine, I was like, wow, this is amazing, because the the magazine wasn't started in the U.S. They actually started in Italy. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then like when they started, the the vision is just like you know we want to talk about women, talk about gender equality, talk about women's rights, um, through humor. Yeah, because that's probably the best way to get people to 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 reckon, you know, reconcile and understand a different perspective. And then the magazine took off in Europe. Like actually, um, they they encountered the success that more than they anticipated. Wow. And yeah. when, when was that? Um, like 
how long have they been around? Do you know? They have been. I have to look because, like, I feel I cannot. Um, That's okay. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm asking bad questions right now. No, 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 no worries. <laughs> yeah, I, I know it has been around a few years. And our founder in the Seattle chapter, uh, Sylvia, and she um, was born and raised in Italy. She moved to Seattle area, and she wants to bring that to to Seattle so that's how we um, started the US chapter yeah awesome yeah so if you guys are out there listening the syndrome mag.com or you can find them on Facebook too and Instagram I'm sure so all, all over the place this multimedia social media world um, but that's really cool because I feel like when you have the the topic of whether you want to call it feminism or just to like you know, address, um, gender inequality. Um, it can be a really hard subject for people to talk about because they can, they can be very serious. Mm -hmm. It can be very emotional. It can kind of turn people off. You know, they're like, Oh, you know, whatever people you know, women complaining again, yeah. you know, but like to do it in a humoristic, like a, like in a funny way, like kind of like cuts through some of that, like, Oh, we don't have to be so serious to really address some real things that are going on. Yeah, because you don't want to turn a topic into tabooed, right? Like I think how many times we we have to take that sexual harassment training video at work, you are obligated to watch it, but then like in the end, you just like, okay, I'd better not talk about this now. But on the contrary, um, I'm going to quote uh, Sarah Silverman because she, uh, she said, if it's mentionable, it is manageable. Mm. I think I found that just so inspiring. It's like, yeah, if you want to manage, you got to talk about it. Like you, ending issues, the worst is just hold it like inside and you don't talk about it and I think the humor opens that like that channel opens the conversation uh, instead of just shutting down oh, let's just be serious let's just hide to walk away from the topic yeah so the so the syndrome mag which is an online magazine right mm -hmm. um, but also it's also a group that's it's it's a nonprofit, and you're basically part of a, a group of consultants right like mm -hmm. like like people who, who are affiliated with the syndrome will actually go into workplaces and do like comedic skits to like point the stuff out. This Have you is, been yeah. a part of that? Yeah, a little bit. Like, so um, this is a new initiative we started. Um, so we want to work with, because there are so many tech companies in Seattle. I'm sure there's way more in San Francisco Bay Area. Yeah, same, same. <laughs> um, so the, the idea is instead of just like watching those videos and so we actually collaborate with the company to see you know to learn a little bit about their culture what people's you know minds is and then we write comedy sketch scenario sketch and then we hire um, professional actor actress to act it out and so in the audience you're like watching so, oh yeah that happens and but you are able to see how this whole thing played out um i persist I participate in some of the comedy sketch writing scenario because some of them are just like, you know, I was like, I lived through that, right? Like yeah. I'm one of the women in tech. Um, so, you know, even for example, going to a conference, you just got hundreds of men, you got like three women there. Like eating lunch, you got the guys sitting on that side and then you feel like, even for the woman, it's awkward. The three people, you just feel like we're obligated to say hi to each other. And you go to the bathroom, like, there's just two of you. <laughs> and I say a line of men, you know. So there are some scenarios that everybody 
they understand but they like i think in the more zoomed in story you see the internal state and you see how awkward for that person is and um, you know we also for example at in a meeting right like you know how women being cut off or then all of a sudden we have the woman to wear a different mask of like with a mustache and then like same voice to say it just you hear it very very differently um. <laughs> that I love that. I think that's such a great way to to point stuff out. Because, mm-hmm. Like you said, you know, those dry like you must watch the sexual harassment video, and of course they make things in those like really obvious, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, usually, but the subtle things are what it's like. I think it's coming out more and more about the subtleties and and the things that people aren't even like you know paying attention to or aware of. They think you know they they don't even think about it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's funny where you talk about the the men's room and the ladies room so my my uh, my little funny story about that is many years ago now I was working for a catering company so I was mm-hmm. I was bartending at an event here in San Francisco and it was Apple's um, like annual uh, employee appreciation party right so it's this big like kind of outdoor park mm-hmm. down downtown and um I mean, it was like thousands of men, thousands and thousands of men. And all of the drinks were free, Mm. right? It was just like, it was employee appreciation. So we were literally standing there. We had this huge bar with eight bartenders and these guys would stand like, like 10 feet away and like, look at us and and so awkwardly. And we're like, come on, like, come on. It's okay. Like, come get a beer, you know? And, and. It was, it was kind of a lame party anyway, because like they wouldn't, they wouldn't like let us put a tip jar out. Like they didn't want them to like think that they had to, like any more pressure. I'm like, okay, I get why they didn't want to pressure them anymore. Cause it was very socially awkward I saw three women that night out of like probably like 3000 men. Mm-hmm. And one of them was definitely somebody's girlfriend, you know? <laughs> so I actually made a friend that night. There was a, another person who was bartending that night and we left at the same time. And, uh, we went to the to the bathrooms and we saw this big line of men yes and so we heckled them in line we're like now you know what it's like (laughs) you get the treatment now and then we got to the women's room and there was a security guard there saying i'm sorry you can't go in we're like what "What do you mean and they're like well we had to let some men into the to the women's room we're like oh no 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 we're going in yeah like that doesn't happen the other way around that's right they don't open the men's room for the ladies who are waiting there so it was i know what you're talking about (laughs) you go girl (laughs) yes it's one time no you're not taking that away from us right (laughs) that's right i don't care if there's men in there we're going to the bathroom ladies room you know and of course that was before they even like the whole like you know all gender bathroom conversation was, was even in play but uh it was just yeah i know what you mean though it's it's kind of funny yeah so seeing that play <laughs> out right and remind them like let's look at this moment all together and then they can talk about it afterwards i think actually you know it's a different approach yeah so, you, <laughs> so you're writing sketches for them. Sometimes you're participating in the sketches, uh, but you're writing for the the magazine part. Mm-hmm. So um, you want to talk a little bit about some of the topics that you've written about? Sure. Yeah. So I think I, in, um, I started, what is my first about chopsticks? <laughs> oh, I guess maybe uh, I think it's just me being, a, I feel like outsider sometimes. I'm not necessarily kind of have a sense of belonging, just, just my experience are different. Um, so I kind of want to bring in 
explain stereotype and challenge how you look at the stereotypes, right? So I think there are things like I don't fit into the stereotype and there are things like people expect out of me. Um, I don't do that. But there's also, I think stereotypes are there for a reason. I want people to look at something that's not so foreign because, hey, I came to this country. I don't know anything. Of course, I'm going to look very clueless. But if you go to China, you would be. Right? <laughs> so I kind of want to kind of break that, you know, share a different perspective. Um, the first bit I talk about is how I don't really know how to hold my chopsticks. <laughs> As a Chinese, you're kind of expected to know. Um, and uh, the thing is, um, I kind of, I hold my chopsticks, I can use it, but I hold it like a pencil. Like, I don't know how to do the chopstick wrapper instruction thing. Like, most of the, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> most of the Americans are masters of it, but I'm, but then it's not just me. Most of the, the natural, like, uh, native-born Chinese people hold the same way. So, there's, like, you know, times, like, I go to a restaurant with, like, 10 other Chinese people, and with my white boyfriend. He's the only one. He's teaching everybody how to use chopsticks. <laughs> it's hilarious, you know? But then, like... I I would just got me think why why is that right and then I realized we have to learn how to use traps when we were so young our hands are so little I can't figure out there's no way I can use it the, the, the official way and so we all were forced to figure out one way or another mm-hmm. um, and then um, you know but then like our parents are different they they just use their hands when they're a little. So they learn as adult as well. Because like China was so poor, you're just fighting, you're just grabbing food. <laughs> so those are the things, like, you know, it, I think that's my kind of my first piece, um, not to give everything. Right. Um, and then the second one is actually personal, uh, it matters a lot to me, is about like uh, uh, Asian eyes, small Asian eyes. And then I think... Um, if you were born and raised in Asia, like you know, this Asians are obsessed with this double double eyelid. You're nodding. Yeah, no, I know. I had to learn when I started teaching English. They're like, "Do you have one single eyelid or double eyelid?" And I had to be like, "What?" Like <laughs> just even the term, you know. But I know what you mean. It's like having the like crease on your eye. Right. right? The- yeah. Yeah. So we're very obsessed with that, and then so um, plastic surgery to do that is very very popular. And then to a point, it's really like. Um, your parents were like, oh, you, if you want to find a job, you need that. You mm. need that. So girls were almost expected, like, when you're done with high school, that's when you get it. Uh- <laughs> well, there's a lot of that in Southern California, too, like, like given, like, oh, congratulations, you graduated from high school. You get your you get your boob job. You get your nose job. And you're like, you're eight. This is an eighteen-year-old girl. Like, yeah. Why are you like totally transforming your body in some way that's like permanent? Yeah. Know? Yeah. And also, like growing up, my entire family always like, "Oh, you're so smart, but your eyes are so small." <laughs> so you know, they were nice. just <laughs> shaming like yeah. the small eye from the very early on. Mm-hmm. But I actually, I was just like always freaked out about that. I was also kind of very self-conscious about my eyes. So I figured, oh, what if I wear glasses? Because my mom was like, oh, your eyes will might look a little better with glasses. So I came up with this idea. I said, oh, you know, I need to wear glasses. I'm going to pretend, or I am a good student, but I'm a good student. And I'm, of course, I'm nearsighted, right? So I told my... <laughs> the, the classic nerd kind of look, right? Right. Like- so I told my mom, I can't see, I cannot read the, the, the chalkboard. Like, you you have to take me to see a doctor. And then so at the, at the prescription, they do this, like, computerized the prescription test. And my eyes were fine. 
fine. Oh. And I said, no, no, no. So like when they do the menu test, I just pretend I can't see anything. <laughs> I just add on, add on. I got wow. the thickest prescription oh ever. God. I got like a 400, right? Like is it negative 400 or 4.0? Yeah, 4.0. Yeah, yeah, 4.0. So like as a little kid, I have perfect vision. I was wearing this like glasses every day. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of that, that keenly applied deception, right? To, yeah. to make things work. Right. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> so what what is your family think of this like do they know how much like do they know about your comedy your budding comedy career like what do you tell them about your life now <laughs> it's hard because there's no stand-up comedy in china um it's a because you know think about the topic and things we really talk about mm. like you don't you, you don't talk about stand-up comedy um i think there's comedy sketches and in, in china so usually you have two characters they talk about the kind of funny scenarios but never it's about issues, racy, edgy opinions that I think it's not about to evoke mm -hmm. thoughts. It's never about that. Um, but my mom, um, I think she she's proud. Like my parents are proud of me for doing this. Um, they don't really know exactly because I want to share a video with my parents. I can't even share that because um, if sending Google uh, video like okay. Google Photo, YouTube is all blocked in China. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. cannot see it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's very difficult. Like, you know, for stand up comedy, they don't understand English. So I kind of send um, little clips through WeChat that's very popular for their own messenger. Interesting. So they can get a sense of what looks like if there's a crowd sharing nothing. They're, oh, okay, they like her. <laughs> that's nice. Yeah, I'm but they cannot understand. Yeah. Right, right. Well, that's, sometimes that's okay, right? It's better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, wow. So you're really, you're really breaking down a lot of barriers um i'm just i'm so glad that you're here oh, and that we you. get to be you know here on the show today on women's magazine um do you have any uh advice for women out there girls whatever uh who want to do stand-up comedy um i i will say like i think um now like believe believe in yourself um because like, a lot of times people told me like um Oh yeah, no, you gotta pay your dues, and you have at least you gotta suck for the first five, ten years, and don't even ask to be this opportunity. But I think you know, just be bold, and, and you never know. Don't let what pre-exists to stop you. What you think you can do, um, because if I were to do that, I would not even apply for Mutiny Radio Festival. But who is to say so? I cannot be on it. I have to first make the move. And then let them decide. So um, that's definitely something I will say. <laughs> awesome. Well, Bernice Ye, you're totally inspiring and <laughs> such like great energy, and you're really funny. And I know that people are going to come out to Mutiny Radio um, for your show tonight at ten, which mm -hmm. is like the that is that's that's like Pam. That's the uh, all ladies. That's the all ladies show. That's kind of like the 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 headliner for the night, right? Woo! <laughs> Pam, why don't you come in here for a second? 
This is Pam Benjamin. She's our station director, and she's been working her ass off um, to put together the uh, festival, the f comedy festival, for four years now. Yeah. Pam, thanks for hey, thanks for hooking us up here. Yeah, thank you yeah. so much. Thank I was you. I wasn't even looking really for like for the years past. I really was trying to focus on having uh, multiple genders and and multiple people represented uh, from all genders and specifically women and then all and trying to be specifically multicultural. But I was telling Bernice this year, I just picked the funniest people and it just happens to be incredibly diverse and multicultural and that we have almost as equal amount of men and women both involved in the festival and I wasn't even trying I was just like you just pick the funny people yeah and the word so, got out <laughs> yeah. so I'm, I'm stoked that um people are willing to travel from all over the U.S. to come be here at Mutiny Radio, and that's really exciting to me. So, yay! Awesome. Well, such I'm, an honor. <laughs> yeah, please. This is so cool, um, and it's really fun to be a part of. So, uh, Bernice, welcome back to San Francisco. Thanks, Pam Benjamin, for for setting this up so that we could have this. Uh, really great conversation and uh, give everyone a little bit uh, a little insight into into Bernice's uh, sense of humor sensibility and her, her really inspirational stories so um, I'm going to leave you with this one thing uh, it's a little <laughs> bit of a teaser so so Bernice gave me this this uh, refrigerator magnet mm -hmm. and it's a it's 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 a pink bunny and it says sick pets make strong children <laughs> so you'll have to come and listen uh, come hang out at mutiny radio and listen to the live show um tonight uh, the all ladies show we're here at 2781 21st street here in san francisco 94110 if you need to know that as zip code um but we're at the corner 21st in florida in the mission district come out there's going to be shows um throughout the week there's going to be five full days of um showcases various hilarious themes um each show is 10 bucks. Uh, you can pre-buy your tickets online on the website, mutinyradio.fm. Uh, there's a, there's a specific link you can click and see all the different shows that are happening. Um, Bernice, you're going to be tonight at 10. And then mm -hmm. what are your other, um, shows? Um, I have two shows on Sunday. So, um, 8 PM, um, dysfunctional family and 9 PM, um, um, fur babies are better than real babies. <laughs> <laughs> Monday, I have two podcasts. So one is on like every day about races, and uh, um, at noon we're going to talk about Argentine tango. Um, Tuesday at five p.m., I have uh, one show. I will be in the show, uh, comedy show, um, dating a comic. Oh, fun! <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, thank you for being here. Uh, thank you so much, Val. Yeah, we're wrapping up here, Women's Magazine. Um, just remember, just when your aspirations seem outrageous, like I'm going to leave uh, communist China and go to the U.S. and become a really funny lady saying funny, important things. Hey, inspiration is contagious. So peace and thank you. And we'll play another song here from Pamela Parker because she does, in fact, rock. This song's called Pedal to the Metal. And I think it's going to play. <laughs> Thank you.
Wednesday. It's high noon. We're about to get high here on Mutiny Radio. We're about to get this going and uh, spark up some bowls. Be excited. I am joined by LaToya, the Sheriff of Truth. It's been a while. It's been a while. Where have you been? What have you been up to? I was in Kansas City. Um, you, oh boy, yeah. you went home to visit the fam. Yeah, I did. It was my uncle's 80th birthday. Oh, and, wow. Um, and I saw a lot of relatives who I'd seen in a long time. Good party? Good party. Yeah, it was great. And I kind of miss the Midwest, speaking of nice people, oh. you know, of course you'll run into some, there are some Trump supporters at his party, but Ooh. it's funny, they, th- these white folks come to a black man's 80th birthday party and they're Trump supporters, <gasps> and it was so funny, because I asked my uncle, I'm like, how can they, like, they know you're black, right? <laughs> and he's married to a white black. woman, so it's just like, well, you know, and he's just like, yeah, it's really weird though, right? I'm like, yeah, it is. It's but, I, I, don't, but I can't really nice believe there are still Trump supporters. Yeah. I can't believe they still exist. They were, they were really nice people. I did not have any political conversations with them. No, you should talk about porn with them, though. I know <laughs> I know how much you love porn. <laughs> I and I know have. how much Trump loves <laughs> yeah. porn stars since oh, they've all been coming God. out last week about their non-disclosure agreements you with his know. lawyer and not with him. So they really aren't breaking a conflict of interest. How can by you sleep with that? How can you? Just well, you do it for money. It's prostitution. It's great. It's, you know... But at the Porn time, is the only thing. Prostitution is illegal unless you film it and then you sell it. Right. And it's porn and then it's legal and you can make money off it. I don't get it. I, I mean, it just. I mean, I, it, he's ew, He's just so fucking. So, but he gross. can pay for sex and he's the president and everybody's okay with it. Uh, by the way, can I say like, okay, it's Stormy Daniels. That's her name. The she's Stormy the porn star. Stormy Daniels. hundred and twenty. hundred and twenty-eight grand is not enough for me to be paid off. That's all that's that's she got paid off. Hmm. Well, that's not enough back money. In the day, you, you can't, that was in 2006. Right. But you even, even for 2006's time, you couldn't even buy a house here in SF for 126 right. grand. You, you, can buy, you can buy a house in Mexico for, for that. You can buy a lot of things in Mexico. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of, mm. how was your trip? Well, what I learned about Mexico is that everyone hates Mexicans, even... <laughs> Even the Mexicans hate Mexicans. <laughs> so down there, the federales are pulling over where we stayed. We stayed at the same place that we stayed in December. And this time, the federales posted at this one area over a bridge. And they were stopping all the, get this, brown people. Oh They're letting all the white people going through. The brown people are stopping country. the brown. In their own country, the brown people are stopping the brown people. Pulling them out of their cars, taking, looking at their phones, taking pictures of their license plates, and then letting them go. Or getting their weed or whatever. Basically, it's incredibly hard to get weed in Mexico right now because... So everyone's oh, so worried because they're like, they're trying to keep all the Americans safe now. So the oh. federales are keeping the white people safe. So what they're doing is subjugating their own people. It is crazy. Why does everybody hate Mexicans? They are the nicest. They smile at you on the street. They wave. Everybody says hello. They cook from scratch. They're the most amazing people that are, and they don't even get access to the own beauty of their own land. What's happening oh now God. is all of these amazing, like, huge building complexes are taking up all the shoreline and making it impossible to get to the beautiful beaches unless you walk through the rich people place. But you can't walk through the rich people place unless you have a room number. So Jonathan and I, we outsmarted them. So we wanted to go in Cabo San Dog Shit. We wanted to, we wanted to go to this, there's this beautiful place. Yeah. So there's this beautiful place where there's the Pacific side. So there's this Cabo San Dog Shit has this, it's where the, the all, it's a, 
a marina where all of the ships come in and the huge thing is parked there, the princess thing, and all the white people come and everything's in dollars, unless you go like two blocks off of it and then you have the best tacos for nothing. It's amazing. Jonathan and I, no, we understand Mexico. He speaks Spanish. Anyways, so we're trying to find this really beautiful place that's on the Pacific Ocean and I'm looking at all of the maps and I'm like, there's no way to get through unless we go through one of these resorts. Right. So we walk up this road to this resort and we're following this lady and her kid. And um, I go, Jonathan, just follow the lady and the kid. They'll think we're with the lady and the kid. And they did. But Jonathan hears them say, when they asked for a room number, they said 6402. So Jonathan goes, our room number is 6404. So we walk in and we walk by this beautiful thing and we're trying not to have our mouths open like, it's so gorgeous, there's everything's incredible, it's so palatial. <laughs> and we're walking through and, and they, oh, welcome back, senor, senora. Ah, oh, welcome back, ah, hello. We wave at them, we're walking through, blah, blah, blah. So we walk through and we walk out to where the beach is and we're like, ah, oh, this is it, the beautiful beach. And we go down these stairs and there's a guy with a clipboard. And uh, he's like, oh, hey, you go into the beach, great. What, what's your room number? 6404, great. So we go down there and there's people with clipboards everywhere making sure uh, on this beach, uh, which is a public beach, but now they've made it, there's no way to get through unless you go through the rich people stuff. So they're basically keeping like the, the Mexicans out, out of their own place. It, it's crazy to me that- That vacation would have made me mad. It was, it was, you know. But So, so we pretended we're like, we're like, we're white. Use when your privilege. Use the privilege. So we like used the amenities and sat by the beautiful pool and nobody questioned us because we were in room 6404 and it was a seven story building. So this, I mean, 64, we're up at the top. So we're obviously rich people, but I, it was crazy. We, obviously we couldn't afford to stay there, but we're white enough that they believe that we could potentially, maybe our parents were paying for us. <laughs> wow. So it was different from the couple months that you were there back in December. Yeah, it was, um, well, so we stay in um, San Jose del Cabo, which is like a really great town. And then you get on the bus and it costs 250 and you can take it to Cabo San Dogshit. And it's nice because you see the arch from the bus and you get down there. I but then, calling it that. It, well, it. no, because it's, it's so catered to tourists and rich people. And we picked up a real estate magazine where you can buy houses for $12 million on these hills. We're just stealing their land. It's like we don't even have enough of our own land to steal. Now we have to go to Mexico and steal their land with our rich, stupid dollars. It just, it's so sad how money is corrupting. You uh, just I mean, see money corrupting things, even it, in other countries. It's, and, and then to have the audacity to want to build a wall. Right. <laughs> well, so, and then and then degrade the Mexican folks. The poor, poor Mexican folks. And they're they are rich in spirit, and they are rich in abilities. And my God, they nobody has a better work ethic than Mexicans. They all there are no homeless people in Mexico. There, there are no homeless people because everybody has a motherfucking job or jobs. Jobs. Plural. Yeah. <laughs> I wow. want to move there so badly, and things are really inexpensive. I mean, for now. Yeah, for now. We so when we got, uh, we went to Cabo San Dog Ship, but we went off the beaten path. We were a couple, and we found this amazing taco place. And it's funny because we walk in there, and there's Mexican people eating there, and we sit down, and they're like, Mexican guys are like, you found the best tacos in Cabo San Lucas, and I was like, yeah, sure we did. We sit down. We had we had four tacos. They gave us bowls of beans and all of these salsas. We we had two beers, and it was 180 pesos. That's ten dollars. <laughs> It was $10 for four tacos, two bowls of beans, four or five sauces, chips, chips too, 
And then I had a carne asada and a fish one, and he had two El Pastor and two Modelo Especiales, 180 pesos. We give him 200, and he tries to give us change. We said, no, here's 20 more pesos for a tip. He's like, oh, oh, gross, thank you. We're like, yeah, what is happening here? I mean, now, crazy. To F, to SF's, uh, <laughs> to break that down on SF cash flow, right. that would be... $28? Sure. Yeah, two beers. $30? The beers, the beers would have been 10 yeah. And then the tacos would have been at least, I mean, even the fish tacos at Rubio's right now are $3.99 a piece. So it would have been, we'll say, $4 a taco. So yeah, 16 10 Yeah, with tip, we would have been looking at 28 Oh, Same wow. meal. Same I was meal. just throwing a number out there, but... No, no, you were exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, you're exactly right. Oh, that, see, that was another thing, too. Like, going back to Kansas City, things were cheap. Ah, yeah. yeah. Like I we had like a nice brunch and took my aunt and my brother out to brunch. Yeah. Brunch. And it was like a open buffet with like, you know, the guy made omelets right on the spot and oh, shit. Yeah. And like there was seafood, Midwest seafood, huh? Oh my gosh, was it was it it was, it was good. It okay. Was, it was all right. There's shrimps. There's shrimps. I stuck with the trout though, because oh, that's right. more local. Sure. Um but so and we drank a bunch of mimosas everything for all the stuff that we had everything was 150 dollars for three of us and a bunch of mimosas yeah because i had like six right my mother had four and then my aunt had two and then plus you know our entree so 150 bucks which you know here that have been probably 200 yeah absolutely 250 bucks yeah oh god this place yeah coming back was um well, so when we before we left, we're in the airport and we're like, all right, we're on vacation. Let's have a beer. We got two beers at the airport without tip. And Jonathan didn't tip because it was so insane. It was twenty four dollars and ten cents for two beers at the airport. At here at SF at SFO. I know it was it was like Warriors beers. What? I know it's like Warriors beers. It's like what? Oco. It's like that was like 49ers beers. That was like I know. And $24.10. That means that they were $12.05 a piece. I know. I know. I know. Wait, what part were you guys at, by the way? We were just in SFO with the Meeting Virgin America. Okay. Okay. I know where you guys were. You guys at Perry's or. side of the airport uh-huh. and so like Marcus got a Americano I didn't get anything to drink I got a salad and like a spinach pie he got a spinach pie $30 Whoa. and I saw how much my salad was $13.99 <sighs> it was just in one of those plastic containers I'm like motherfucker I'm, and, and I why had to throw the, the spinach pie away because it was bad it why was does the airport have a, a tax on it who's Extreme taxing tax. the airport is it a governmental tax? Is it just that you know that we're
get on BART to get to the airport. There's like a $4 airport tax. It is pricey to get to BART for the airport. Yeah. I mean, anytime you're traveling anywhere, it's just, it's
Hello and welcome to the Weekly Review. This is Roman here, broadcasting live from Mutiny Radio. It is Monday, December 2nd, and we'll be playing the show again on Friday, December 6th. So just here, recording in advance. I am a little bit sleepy today and wanted to provide a lot of information on the show as per usual. So I'm not going to be doing a lot of talking, mostly a lot of listening. Open up the show with a couple songs by Santana. And I'm going to go right into a previously recorded podcast. And that's called the Trafe Podcast. And that's T-R-E-Y-F. And it's recorded up in Montreal. And they spoke with a couple of folks recently about the history of anti-Semitism in regards to colonialism and fascism and the rise and how everything is <sighs> coming together. And uh, yeah, they s- explain it a lot more clearly than I do. So I'm going to go directly into that. And if you'd like to listen, uh, they have a SoundCloud up. And again, if you type in T-R-E-Y-F podcast, you can find it. And this is episode 45, Fascism in the Far Right, part three. So yeah, please do check that out. I'll be playing this throughout and then I'll be coming back in later on in the program. And yeah, that's that's about it. I am still too... I feel really cloudy and it's, it's rainy today and yeah, that's just kind of where I'm at. So without further ado, this is uh, fascism in the far right. And I learned a lot by listening to this. So hopefully I, I recognize that there's always so much more to know. And there's a lot of information that's particularly not shared with us or that we don't know and, and more to know and just have a better understanding of why things are the way they are. So hopefully uh, this will help out with that. So this episode and is part of our series of episodes exploring yeah, the I history am and unfortunate present realities of fascism and far right. Playing it right now. And on this episode, we're going to look at how colonialism relates to fascism. Yeah, we, we wanted to explore an aspect of fascism that a lot of people write about as colonialism turned inward, where essentially the society that's carrying out colonialism around the world has that violence filter back into the host society. Yeah, and so we chatted with two academics who cover kind of different facets of this phenomenon. The first was Christian Davis, who is... Seemed to have a bit of a technical difficulty at the moment. Colonialism, anti-Semitism, and German so Jewish let's descent see. in Imperial Germany. Let's see what's yeah, going on here. we talked with Christian about Germany's colonial invasion, and Volume specifically its genocide in Namibia, and the ways that this contributed to the rise of the Nazis and eventually the Holocaust. And... For our second interview, we chatted with Roland Kashina Robinson, who's also known as Anamaki. He runs the Anguahone Rising blog, and he's the author of the essay, Fascism and Anti-Fascism, A Decolonial Perspective. Yeah, we want to talk to Roland to get a better idea of how to understand fascism here, where settler colonialism and genocide is so much part of the fabric of the society, and also what the threat of growing far-right politics means for indigenous people. And so to jump straight into these interviews, this is your episode of Trafe for the 2nd of Kislev, 5780. <laughs> It's a dog, it's a dog. It's a dog, it's a dog. 
All right. Well, my name is Christian Davis, and I teach modern European and world history at James Madison University in Virginia. I've been teaching at JMU for about nine years, and I'm very much interested in issues of anti-Semitism, race relations, uh, racial prejudice, and also colonialism. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show. Um, we wanted to talk to you about your book, uh, but before we get into the book, you know, this is just such a specific area of study, um, and I was curious how uh-huh. you uh, first came into it. Well, it really dates back to my days as a graduate student when I was at Rutgers University. I became quite interested in the question of the origins of anti-Semitism and racial prejudice in modern Europe. And also, I became interested in the stories of European colonial expansion, the creation of racial states abroad in German Africa and other parts of the world. And the question that I asked myself was whether or not these two historical developments were interrelated. And so that became the basis of the study, which then I expanded in later years into the book. And before we go any further here, can you give our listeners a sense, maybe a short sense, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, of the story of German colonialism in Africa? Because I think it's one that maybe takes a backseat to French British, or even Portuguese and Spanish? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, I think probably a lot of people don't even know that Germany did have a very large colonial empire, and it was one of the major colonizing powers during the late 19th and early 20th centuries. So Germany, in fact, acquired and governed what became the fourth largest colonial empire in the world, only behind the British, the French, and the Dutch. But one of the reasons why most people are probably not aware that Germany was such a large power is because their empire only lasted from about 1884 to 1919, when Germany was stripped of its overseas colonial possessions as a result of losing the First World War. But Germany did, for a short period of time, about 34 years, acquire a large colonial empire. And it was an empire that was actually quite diverse. Uh, The Germans acquired a small territory on the coast of China. Uh, They came to control part of New Guinea and Samoa and islands in the South Pacific near Australia. But the overwhelming bulk of the German overseas empire was actually located in Africa, in four large African colonies, which at the time were known as German East Africa, German Southwest Africa, Togo, and Cameroon. And this colonial empire altogether encompassed a landmass that was actually much larger than the territory of Germany back in Europe. In fact, uh, the largest of the German African colonies, German East Africa, was itself larger than Germany back in Europe. And it uh, governed millions of non-Germans, Africans in particular. And, you know, all this invasion and and conquest had a large human cost uh, on the part of the indigenous populations, including the Herero and Nama genocide uh, that the Germans carried out in 1904 in, in Namibia. You know, for listeners who haven't heard of this before, can you maybe give people a bit of an understanding of what occurred? Sure, sure. The Germans were extremely brutal colonial masters. And you had a number of large uprisings really as a reaction to German brutality. And the most famous uprising, and the one which resulted in the first genocide of the 20th century, occurred in German Southwest Africa. 
German Southwest Africa was a very large colony. It had a significant indigenous population, probably about 200,000 people when the Germans arrived in the 1880s. The two major groups were the Herero and the Nama. And the German colonial authorities pursued the deliberate policy of impoverishing the indigenous inhabitants. The policy was really designed to strip the Herero and the Nama both of their land and of their possessions and of their cattle in particular in order to impoverish the people so that they would be dependent for their livelihoods upon selling their labor services to the German state and to the German white settlers in German Southwest Africa. And this had a really devastating effect upon the Herero people. And so by 1904, the Herero people were really facing an existential threat, and so they rose up against the Germans, against the settlers and the representatives of the German government in the colony. And Germany responded with terrific force during this German campaign to suppress the Herero people. Uh, one German commander, General von Trotha, pursued a deliberate policy of annihilation, of genocide, directed not only against the Herero men who were doing the fighting, but also against Herero women and children. And as a result of this genocidal suppression of the Herero uprising, the Herero people were almost, not completely, but almost wiped out. We uh, estimate that approximately 60 to 80 percent of the Herero population <laughs> well, died as a I result mean, question, of this is genocidal policy. Is life getting that expensive? The it just instituted it's, it's, what it's, it's, really it is, and then the, the wages are still stagnant. State and in the 20th century if you have health insurance, that's going up. And you know, you can't get it nice. You can't drink two beers for under ten bucks. Would never be able Though to I did. ride up again. Though I did. Though I did. Government five dollars. Well, Because all you got to do is trade. I'm just going to ask Beer for five dollars. Their passes had to show that they were in Yeah. Well, that was like so we spent all our pesos sitting 